and gentlemen, welcome to the Art of Disruption podcast from Tabare, bringing you the world's best artists and gallerists wherever you are. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Art of Disruption podcast brought to you by Tabari, which is a, a brand new art tech platform bringing you the life stories of some of the greatest living artists from all around the world. This is your host, Will McBain, recording live from the Gambia. And on today's show, I'm going to be joined by an artist who's built his own actual life-size yellow brick road in Accra, Ghana. Uh, He's an artist that was drawing large crowds to his work before COVID impacted the art world as it has. And we're going to be talking about how this last year has affected his creativity and the amazing work he does with his Go Local collective. I'm talking, of course, about the one and only Serge Clotet. Uh, Clotet will be talking to us about how the themes of migration and objects related to trade and travel have impacted his work. Uh, Clotet is part of the Gar tribe who populate the Bookham and Jamestown areas of Accra, places famous for its fishermen and boxers. And Clotet and many Gar people carry their origin story that, they've, that they are descendants of people from ancient Israel uh, who moved deep into Africa and settled in Ghana. We'll be talking about that and about how art and artists are increasingly affecting political change in Africa, uh, fighting against pollution, Uh, trying to get clean water for all. And also we'll talk about the beautification of Accra in just a moment. It's with great pleasure that I can introduce Serge Clotet, uh, who was born in Accra, Ghana in 1985, and who works as an artist now across installation, performance, uh, photography and sculpture, exploring personal and political narratives rooted deep in trade and migration. Uh, Clotet refers to his work as Afro-Galanism, a concept confronting the question of material culture, Uh, through the use of yellow gallon containers that are ubiquitous in West Africa, and his installations brilliantly challenge narratives of gender roles and issues concerning the lasting impact of slavery, uh, family and clan inheritances, and land rights in modern-day Ghana. Uh, I started by asking him how this year and COVID has impacted his work. I, I work with um, a collective and I have a studio assistant, about 15 assistants. And this pandemic really shut down, you know, the working relationship as well as, you know, producing work with all these assistants because of social distancing. And, you know, so I had to close the studio um, for for some time and also so that we couldn't produce work. You know, the working relationship become very, very distance because my guy my studio assistant has to stay home and they were not even themselves they were not able to communicate themselves you know so i was a bit um disturbed and also i took that time and that moment to develop 
a new body of work, you know, new paintings, you know, black portraiture in art and fashion. Because during that time, the pandemic times and the lockdown and all this social distancing, I realized that social media platforms was was the key to reach out or to share work and, you know, to share various works in the past, you know, and ideas and all that. So what I did during this, the time was that I I have another studio at home, you know, besides what I have that I work with the community, I have my own personal studio where I do drawings and paintings as well. So I was able to, you know, spend time with my painting technique and, you know, painting portraits of friends in music, in arts, and uh, fashion as well. So I think that one way or the other, the situation kind of um, developed, helped me develop a lot of ideas around my painting technique. And, you know, and now that things are, you know, getting calm, I'll be able to open the studio where my guys were able to come and start some work, you know. But I feel like we are bit far behind time but also it helps them to understand to value time to value um the working relationship and all that mm. you know so and you'll speak yeah. th- th- thanks Serge. and you, you were speaking there about your go local collective i imagine with 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 that exactly yeah so i have the go local then i have the go local is about 100 people and the studio assistant is about 15 people so, so that's a lot of people affected by the lockdown. Yeah, so, so many, especially my community. I work with the community as well. And so during the times like this, it was very difficult to even reach out to them, to even bring them together. Everybody was distant. And then, you know, it, it became a weird, we, 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 we experienced a very weird relationship, you know. Mm. Yeah. I hear you. And, um... Do, do you think this pandemic and the the response to it, you know, the various lockdowns and and how various governments around the world are responding to it, do you think that will affect your work or influence your work uh, now, this year, and in the future? Yeah, I think that it it will affect the work, you know, because it affects time, value, you know, and I think that though it does affect, but I think that it also have a very positive side where you know arts can be viewed in a very different way you know because I do a lot of public installations and then Mm. you know it also always have a lot of people around you know groups and crowd so uh, I think that the pandemic has really reduced that kind of um, gathering you know and for me somehow it has a a positive impact because then people get to understand, you know, the work and spend more time with the work because it's it's not crowded. Because once there's crowd, you know, you can't communicate with the work properly, you know. So one way or the other, I think that the future of this pandemic is something that has raised a lot of ideas about, you know, producing work, especially arts in public space. You know, how can the work be interactive also but also creates practices this social distancing you know so yeah it's it's quite a very intense situation right now and you know now i'll be able to produce a lot of work because i during the time i was just collecting materials i was just buying materials so i have a lot of materials in storage so 
it was just a couple of months ago that my guys went back to the studio to produce. So yeah, it, it has really increased production chain. That's a, a fascinating answer. I mean, of course, every, we're all aware of the the tragedies and the difficulties of this pandemic and what it's done to people. But it, I've heard what you're saying from some other artists that it's been a real creative impetus. Talking of your work, Serge, of, of course, you, you know, you've so brilliantly um, covered topics such as migration. Um, yeah. and, and I just just wonder what it's, if I could ask you, what was it like growing up a guy in Jamestown and then... Um, moving to Brazil, how did that um, influence how you saw the world and how you how you could empathise with the life of migrants and the life of Africans abroad? Yeah, um, well, um, I, my family originally is from Jamestown, but they settled in Labadi because of the relationship the people of Jamestown had with Labadi. You know, so my my ancestors were were trading with the people of Labadi. So that is how we settled in Labadi. But originally we are from Jamestown. And I think that migration has been part of my family history from from the beginning. You know, and I was interested in how do I represent or how do I tell those stories? Um, because, you know, there was a migration in colonial migration. And I think that that has influenced migration strongly in a way that people are just moving around the globe you know and so migration is part of is, is part of our life and so I, I i thought about how do i use that narrative in a very powerful way by representing that through migration of our time you know because there has been past migration but now migration of human and objects Mm. sort of um, and how the sea navigates the world you know so brazil itself was something that i've never planned to 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 go to brazil it just happened and i realized that it actually has a connection with jamestown because the president they were descendants who came back from brazil and they built the tabon house which is in jamestown Mm. you know so i began to look at migration from um, and how from through objects, you know, and how um, let's see navigate the world, you know. So um, Brazil, for me, I realized that you know there's a connection between Ghana and Brazil because of the colonial history, you know. So um, yeah, I began to to identify like objects or symbolic tools which were engaged within the migration, which is the broken boats. And I, ref- um, my ancestors were selling alcohol, you know, so they had alcohol in, in a, a containers, um, a wooden containers, you know, and because I couldn't find a wooden, I used the gallon as a reference to storing the alcohol and also to travel on, on the coast, on the ocean to, to Lawadi, you know, so that has been something that um, inspired my cre- my creativity, you know, migration of objects and how objects change form and value, just like migration, human migration, you know, because you travel around and you have to deal with certain polities and certain structures which um, you are not familiar back from where you are. Because in Ghana, we, we, we don't we don't talk about racism, you know, among ourselves, you know, we talk about racism when we travel, you know, we experience racism when we travel. So um, my work kind of highlights those, you know, because uh, 
originally the materials that i use originally come from the west and it's just recent that a lot of african countries are producing the oil and they're producing the jerry cans as well you know so i think migration is is an advantage and it's also a disadvantage when there's a system that's you know governing that in the system that investigates that um movement you know so i think that me as a guy my tribe has influenced my work and the history of the guns as well because the guns fr- come from israel you know and so the, the the migration begins from from the beginning of the world you know that people have to migrate so that they can discover spaces and you know settle in space yeah do you say the guns come from the guns come from israel Wow. Okay. So that's that's yeah. that's something I don't know about. Would you mind Would you mind uh, informing me a, a little bit about that? Yeah. So the guys they they were travelers, you know. So they came from Israel, um, and then through I think Nigeria or Mali before they settled in 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 Accra, you yeah. know. So they they actually settled in Ayawaso. Ayawaso is supposed to be like the center. Of 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 Accra, you know, and then they migrate and they they, they settle in Jamestown, but there were other people there were <clears throat> who changed them, you know, the other tribes changed them, and they, they especially my family they spread across the coastal, you know, so there's Jamestown, there's my family, some settle in Osu, Labadi, Teshinungwa, you know, because they they, they were warriors, you yeah. know, so they uh, the other tribes realized that they could take over the whole space, you know, so they had to change them with guns and, you know, yeah. So my family spread out and then we became small, but it's just recent that, you know, we are finding the documentation of our family history, you know, to bring the family, because a lot of our properties, because we, we, they, they, they were changed away, you know, my forefathers were changed away. They became, um, distance among themselves, you know. So now, one of the elders who have um, documentation of the history is telling us what happened and why we we have dispersed, you know. So we are trying to bring the clothes back and then to claim some of our properties because, especially the Kole um, uh, Kolebu Hospital is on our property and Kole is, is is our name, you know. But we don't have any royalties and. Um, Osukroti and all those places, you know. So now that we are bringing the closet together, because we arrive in Accra very early, we are one of the earliest people who arrive in Accra, you know. Um, then we we fought the Ashantis as well, you know. So all this history are coming up, you know. With it, it has been there, but we don't have even any information about it until recent. That one of the elders who um is is old now and is trying to share this information so that we come together as a as a family to claim all these properties because we we're supposed to be in in, in the chieftaincy you know but we are not in a chieftaincy position anymore you know we, we are not so other tribes are taking those positions so i think that um migration is something it's it's unfinished and it's it's, it's not something that is going to end anytime it, it's 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 a lot it's our lifestyle you know and, but we need to know the history of, of that to be able to stand strong and, and protect, you know, our properties and family. Yeah. That f- fascinating answer. And I wonder how much um, 
also, pe- you know, people searching into their family's history, both in Ghana, but also uh, Africans in the diaspora and African Americans, um, especially considering the Ghana's year of year of return. Whether that's exactly yeah. provided fresh impetus into searching people's families' histories. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I will agree to disagree because um, the way it's, I think that there's a, a bit of politics around the year of return. You know, I don't think it's it symbolizes what it stands for. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, a lot of there, the, I think that the politics behind that is to bring people. You know, is to bring find a way to bring money within within this political. Um, uh, seasons, you know, because a lot of hotels make money, transportation, food, and you know, I think it's structured in a way that the the the, um, the sitting president can can have you know the next time as well, you know, because um, after the year of return, I realized that a lot of people went back to the states. They don't move, you know, they just came on a vacation, you know, and a lot of money was spent. By the government bringing people, you know, celebrities to visit the country, and they they contribute nothing to the place, you know. So, and it's also centered around the city and a few landmarks, you know, a few tourist sites and all that. But I I, I ask myself, what are the people living in outskirts, you know, in the villages? They don't know what is happening in the city. In the year of return, they don't they have no idea about it, you know. And there are a lot of um, programs which. It's just entertainment, you know, where people come, they spend money, others make money, and that is it, you know. So for me, the year of return, it doesn't stand what it means for, what it symbolizes, you know. Um, I think what I expected more is to be able to bring people to all those um, family houses, all those um, tribes, you know, tribal houses, you know, for them to visit, you know, the chiefs, tell them, you know, where they come from, you know, to, to investigate more than rather um, coming on a vacation and having parties and celebrations and all that, you know, because at the end, um, in January, things became very hard again. You know, people were complaining uh, there's no money and all that because that beginning period was just for a business, you know, and yeah. And then I think that it also has helped the government gain popularity globally. Mm. So for me, it's it's a political strategy to 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 gain power. Fascinating. So by the sounds of it, it should have been more expansive uh, throughout exactly. throughout the lands and uh, more inclusive as well. As, exactly, exactly. To be more inclusive and also, you know, creating um, jobs. You know, and yeah, but people just come because there's uh, Afro nation, Afro nation, Afrochella, and visiting the slave castle, and you know all these things. Yeah, it's it's very important to know the history. But what, then again, what do you? What kind of what possibility or um, opportunity do you create when you come as a diaspora? You know, how do you create a sustainability? Uh, for for the country, you know, because you, you eventually you go back if you don't have any stable, uh, you're not able to sustain something like a business or like a like a plan, you know, to help develop the the, the country, you know, because Africa needs Africans and its diaspora to rise up, you know. So what are you giving to Africa? Not just coming to see 
enjoy the space and, and then go back. You know, at the end of the day, people lose because we expected, we Africans living in Africa also see that, you know, diaspora, the diaspora, together we can build the country, you know, but the, I think that there's a bit of cultural differences. You know, the way we see diaspora is, the, is, is different from the way they see us, Africans living in Africa, you know, because we think that they live in a West where there's opportunity and how do they connect those opportunities to Africa for Africans living in Africa than just coming to visit and and coming for vacations, you know. So, but there are a few diaspora who are taking a bold step to um, to create um, sustainable businesses and developments, and which I think that is is quite a good idea. And yeah, but we we expected more, you know. We expected more because together we can we can we can make Africa rise because they they are there and they have a lot of experience you know they've learned a lot and they, they know how the West developed its country you know so it's something that they have to share with Africans living in Africa so that that will, because there, we have a lot of cultural differences you know and cultural shocks may also affect us in a way so by educating by the diaspora educating or engaging Africans as a, as a collaborative, collaborative partners, you know, or business partners to, to create some sustainable economical business in the country will, will be very helpful and that will make Africa arise, yeah. You touched on property rights um, yep. a, a few minutes ago and of course your art, amongst many things, also um, increases the... Uh, the, the cultural awareness of, of recycling and of waste. And um, I, I just wonder whether, if, if property rights become more cemented, um, do you think that will help increase the culture or, or establish a culture of recycling in Ghana? Yeah, I think I think that, that will help because, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the issue in, in, in some part of the country is that there are, a lot of property conflicts. You know, there are properties that were inherited by, you know, family, by pe- different people, but there's no documentation on that. You know, so um, that affects somehow affects the environment because a people's properties has been claimed. You know, so they, they don't uh, others too. They don't care about the properties. So you know, like it affects the environment in a way that people just dump refuse in other space because there's no someone hasn't showed as owner or as a property owner or that you know and a lot of um, conflict in especially in the in the local communities is, is about property you know the place is somehow overpopulated you know and so people had to like fight and you know to claim spaces and all that but I believe that my work somehow investigates this history of um, settlements and displays, you know. So I, I started the Follow the Yellow Break, which is basically to highlight or demarcate properties which has been inherited by other other people, you know. Because for me, for me, when we migrated to, to, to Labadi, the space was given to us by the chief during that time, you know. And it was just a verbal agreement. There was no documentation. So years, years after, the people of Labadi um, realized that we are not 
from Labadi. We are migrants from Jamestown. You know, in between the same city, migration becomes a demerit. Just a few miles, my migration becomes a demerit. So, in Labadi, where I'm, I'm, I live now, we don't have any. We don't. We are not part of the chief stancy role. We don't have any chief stancy role. We are just like migrants. So all the space that were given to us by that time were um, were taken back by the people of Labadi. They were invading our space, you know. So we had to go to court, and because there was no documentation, we are finding it difficult to defend the situation. But so the yellow brick was something that can be used as archive to defend that situation. So I started like demarcating the property with the yellow brick, so that I invite people from different generations to experience. So I believe that a lot of people, a lot of some of the older people will know the history of how the cloth is settled and the properties that they inherited from the chief during that time. You know, so my work serves as a, as an archival materials to support the court's case. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And and going back to um going back to just what you're talking about the diaspora um before do you, do you think africans at home say in ghana or ghanaians at home in ghana and 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 those africans in the diaspora will increasingly want to have pieces of art which of course is their history uh with them at home and all around the world yeah i, I think that i mean there has been a huge market for african art um and i think that um Africans in the diaspora are now claiming Africa as its whole, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's, for me, it's not just buying art because it's buying because it's a business. It's kind of like a, there's a market for it, you know. So they buy and they know that there's a huge value over time. You know, it's not like they are collecting because they want to have peace of art. Africa in their home or peace, you know, to promote. Africa. I think that it's there's a business motive behind that, you know. So, and Africans are realized to have have realized that they need to embrace who they are and how far they've been able to rise to, you know. So, I think collective is not just about the love for it, but also a motive of business, you know. And and I think that yeah, I think it's it's. It's also um, it's also a good thing because um, we need to we need to build ourselves. We need to support ourselves, and we need to est- help establish the market and also sustain the market. You know, and yeah. So I think that it's it's it has two sides. You know, it is it's it's an interest of of promoting Africa and also it's an interest of business. Yeah. So so I wonder whether talking of the growth of the art market. Um, how do you think the internet and specifically the boom of social media has affected the life and career uh, of an artist working today? Uh, I think that especially Africans, uh, artists living on this continent, uh, that social media is, is a tool to be global. It's a tool that globalizes um, whatever we create from this part of the continent. And, and that has created a huge market for it because once there are a lot of creatives creatives here in the country and not many of them have access to, to social media platforms you know so um, by way of sharing and you know studio visits 
um, arts, um, um, building an arts community helps because um, an artist maybe somewhere in the village who doesn't have you know all those social media platforms and who um, maybe was visited by a collector or maybe a colleague artist or a photographer. You know, photograph his work and share online. So that also brings kind of spotlight to the artists living in that part of the the country. You know, so I think for for as Africans, African artists, I think the social media platform is what has really helped recognize what we do. You know, because um, there is a, there are search engines where people search what is happening in African arts or maybe Ghanaian artists. You know, all these come up and social media helps identify all those things. You know, so I think that it's it's a it's it's, it's something that we have to be attentive to it. We have to practice it more and you have to look for how do we use all these platforms to promote our work to be global, you know. So I think that it's a tool that has really, really helped shape African contemporary arts that, that, in the 21st century, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what I also wanted to ask you, of course, you, as well as the environment, as well as um, many other things you, you, you've, you've really drawn a spotlight to, is, of course, gender roles in, exactly, yeah. um, in, in Africa or in Ghana. Um, yeah. do, do you think gender roles are shifting in Ghana or do you think in 25 years, 50 years, uh, Ghana will remain a very patriarchal society? No, I think it's, it's shifting. It's shifting, especially in Africa. It's shifting because um, artists are, you know, a lot of creatives are throwing more light on that, having discussions and, you know, engaging conversation as such in, in their work as well you know so i think that it's it's shifting it's it's really shifting and i'm happy to be part of um, artists who are exploring and you know advocating for that you know so I've, I've i think that it's shifting in a very a positive way and that will help africa as well you know to understand you know human rights and understand gender equality Great answer, and and for your many fans um, across the world, Serge, what what can we uh, look forward to over the next couple of years from yourself? Uh, I think that uh, uh, well, I believe that um, art is something that um, something that I can use to help you know save the world in 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 different in different situations and i believe that as much as i put effort into my practice um the world will be a better place and you know i engage every person who is interested in arts to just explore it you know because it's there are various forms of art and you know collaboration is something that it collaborations um creates a massive a massive important role in the world you know so i'm open to any collaborations no matter who no matter where i'm i'm, I'm interested in collaborating whoever find my work interesting yeah perfect um do you, do you think you're uh, shining a light to water scarcity? Uh, and, and more generally, do you think the, the collective of artists in Accra um, can help refocus the Ghanaian government's attitudes towards water security? 
Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think so because a lot of artists are pushing. A lot of artists are using their work as a political statement to shape political views and throw more light on sustaining the art community. You know, because um, now there, there is this movement of Accra beautification where artists are painting murals on the on overheads on abundant spaces and transforming the city. And, and I think that. Um, the government will realize the potential of art because when you talk about creative industry, they, they, they support mostly film and music, but visual artists are left behind. So during this um, time, you know, artists are just taking advantage of spaces and exploring and you know putting this movement called beautification, Accra beautification. And, and that has really brought the government's attention to it, you know, because my work is, my performance address issues of politics and it's very, it's very critical, you know. So, yeah, that's my way. And other artists are exploring murals and, you know, public installation too. And I, I think that um, the government is, 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 is kind of paying attention to that because they see how powerful arts can be used to either build the world or destroy the world, you know, so they have to step in and support in a good direction. Uh, that was the fabulous Serge Clotet. Uh, and if you enjoyed listening to him, we have more editorial content about Serge on the tabari.com website, uh, where you can also make a bid and purchase his beautiful tapestry called Too Far From Home. Uh, which is a 2017 piece that could also be yours. Uh, right, thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. And um, please do join us again next week, where we will be speaking to Alexi Peskin, October Gallery favourite, uh, and where we'll be getting the lowdown on this genius artist whose incredible use of nails on stained wood comments profoundly and challengingly uh, to realities of the black experience in the 21st century. Uh, so for that, Join us next time.